You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to last Mountain Swire Football Podcast Edition. Yeah, you're getting more podcasts this week, more than normal. Enjoy it. Love it. It's cool. Matt over there, Matt Kennelly, Jeremy here, Jeremy Moss hanging out. Week 13, as I just said, about 10 seconds ago before we start recording, Matt, all 12 teams, six conference games. It's a busy weekend. It's another rivalry weekend here and there. I'm uh, I'm excited. There's a lot of a lot of mine too, right? Yes. <laughs> Go read Matt's 20,000 words on the tiebreaker scenario. Not <laughs> quite, not quite. Do you have the total word count on that? Uh, not in front of me now. I'll look and see if it shows up in throughout the show, but there's tiebreaker scenarios. There's not potential bull- potential tiebreaker okay. scenarios. Well, like if you know, for those of you who haven't looked at the standings recently, uh, it basically comes down to this: uh, San Diego State and Hawaii play each other this Saturday. Winner takes all. Um, so the West Division is very fairly clean. Um, and then, of course, Boise State goes to Utah State, and if they win, then they're in as well. It's what happens when you, if Utah State wins that things could get pretty interesting. It's true. And part of it, too, Utah State's won 11 of 12 at home since they beat Boise State last time. So, And the only loss was to BYU a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And basically, if that happens, let's do it, let's do it right now. We'll make the condensed version. How about you explain it since you don't you wrote the piece and I just went over it and apparently forgot half of it ten, sec- ten minutes ago we were discussing it. <laughs> okay, so if you go read the article, I attached a link both to um, the Wikipedia page, which just tells you one, two, three, four. This is how the tiebreakers go through, and I also included a link to the document that you can find at the Mountain West's official website. Um, but you know, for the most part, obviously, if if two teams finish with the same record, then obviously it's going to come down to head to head results. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if even if so, even if, you know, for instance, Boise State, you know, if they beat Utah State this weekend, but then lose next weekend to Colorado State, they still have the head to head on both Air Force and Utah State. So even if those two teams finish seven and one, one or the other or both, uh, Boise State would still have that tiebreaker. So, of course, Two-team tiebreakers are pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's when you start looking at the three-team tiebreakers that things could get interesting. Chaos. Potentially. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, and, and like I said, in the West Division, it's pretty straightforward because, you know, if Hawaii beats San Diego State this Saturday, even if Nevada wins out to get to 5-3, and three, so you have the Wolfpack, the Aztecs, and the Warriors at 5-3, and three, because Hawaii owns the head-to-head on both teams, they would win the division – they go to the title game. Yep. Simple. It, get, it gets a little more complex when you look at the Mountain Division now because in the event that each of the teams finish either 7-1 and one or 6-2, and two, things could unfold very differently. And so just the – you can go read the details in the article, but the, the TLDR version, mm-hmm. um, even if Boise State loses this weekend – if they can beat Colorado State in the finale, 
you have to go through all the tiebreakers down to potentially, you know, the college football playoff rankings, which are actually tiebreaker number five. <laughs> uh, at that point, you start looking at two different things. First is the CFP top 25. And so the big question right now, which we're not going to know the answer, you know, until it potentially happens is what happens if Utah state beats Boise state, because right now they are number 20 in the top 25. So we don't know right now if Boise State would get bounced from the top 25 or not. You know, if it's close win, it's a, if it's a blowout win for the Aggies, we just don't know. They, let me see. They have a better chance if it's the Utah State lost than the CSU loss. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you know, they, they look at the college football playoff ranking. And then, you know, if, for instance, no Mountain West team ends up in the top 25, then you look at um, – the computer rankings. So if you remember the fervor around the, around the 2017 season about Boise state hosting. Oh yes. Mountain West title game. Oh, had a Fresno state. Welcome back. Anderson and Hester, Kali matrix. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same system. Uh, and so I included kind of the figures of that, of where things stand after week 12 and just the, you know, the in, in layman's terms, it looks like Boise State has an advantage. Would it be the same so, for one loss as well? It'd be that yes. same tiebreaker. So one or two well, losses. I, I mean, I, yeah, in one or two. Well, no, because in two loss scenario, the, the two loss scenario, first of all, is very, very, very unlikely. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, because first and foremost, it, it requires New Mexico to win both of their last two games. Oh, geez, never mind. Let's which which you never. I mean, you never know. Um, I, I was looking at something today that you know someone put up on Reddit actually about uh, SP plus projecting um, you know win by win. So like you know how many what's the percentage likelihood that X team is going to finish with Y wins? Mm-hmm. Uh, they give New Mexico a 0.9 percent chance to finish with four wins. Are they at two right now? They're two right now. That seems high. So by contrast, they are 77% finished with two wins. So less than a 1% chance that it unfolds. But, you know, the two-loss scenario probably wouldn't get that far. What happens in that potential scenario, more likely than not, is that it comes down to whichever team wins the border war between Wyoming and Colorado State. Because CSU has the win over – or Wyoming would have the win over New Mexico – no, wouldn't it be? I don't want to get to dive, in, dive into it, but wouldn't it be Air Force or Utah State be New Mexico and Utah State would be in? Not necessarily. Oh, jeez. Go read the piece. <laughs> so, the, go read the piece. There's three scenarios. Okay. You know, again, short version. We're trying. <laughs> short, short version. Short, short version. Okay. Any two loss scenario assumes that Colorado State beats Boise State. Okay. So, you yeah. know, Boise State, of course, has to lose both of their two games to get to six and two. So, what that also means is that if Colorado State gets to fourth place, because what you know, tiebreaker number four, or excuse me, number three, is winning percentage against the next highest place team in the division proceeding through the division. So it'd be CSU so record you start versus looking at how did how did the top three do against fourth place? And so in that scenario, yep, Colorado State, you know, wins the border war, has to be Boise State for this scenario to to end up in that division, mm-hmm. uh, or position rather. Boise State gets bounced. And it's head to head. They are the only one of the three teams to lose to Colorado State. And then it goes back to head to head Air Force, Utah State, which goes to Utah State. Yeah. And so that's one of the things to keep in mind with every tiebreaker scenario, especially in the three team scenarios or four team scenarios or whatever. At some point, it gets kicked back 
to two team tiebreakers, and the number one tiebreaker there is head to head. Good to know, because I thought early like the computer rankings, it's a top team no matter what. That's just hosting, I'm guessing. So yeah, okay. So, so basically, if Colorado State gets to five and three, Air Force wins the division. Boom. If Wyoming gets to five and three in a two loss scenario, Utah State wins the division. So there's because, so Boise. Boise State is the Boise State has two losses. They're about no matter what. Generally speaking, if Boise State <laughs> loses both their last two games, things don't end well for them. Sorry, Raj. Hopefully that has happened for you guys. <laughs> but but again, it's not going to happen. You're talking about a world where New Mexico. <laughs> if you're putting your hopes on the Lobos, sorry guys, I can't help you. I mean, if you're giving them a one percent chance, you're basically talking about a, like a one hundred to one scenario, right? <sighs> And, but then that doesn't even count the scenario where where Wyoming wins the border war, but then loses to Air Force. What we're the, let's move on. We, let people go read it. So okay. yeah, go read the article if you haven't already. Maybe um, twice. It lays out it lays out pretty much every single scenario you can imagine: one loss and two losses. Apparently, I need to read it again after our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to games. That's what we're doing. Uh, All right, let's do it. Game time. Except like full slate. We have a Friday night game, border war. So what's up with the deal with the? Uh, we got the state. Smack talk already going to see what Josh Allen said, former Wyoming quarterback. Current. I did not see that. Doesn't he calls them the sheep like everybody else does? They're not the Rams, they're the sheep. Well, I mean that doesn't surprise you, does it? No, I'm just saying it's like it's good to see Smack Talk is in the pros for uh, two teams that don't have a. Uh, can we get a um, Shaquille Barrett Josh Allen bet somehow? Can that be, make make its way uh, <laughs> to happen? AFC West, AFC East teams. <laughs> You know what? I'm more interested by the fact that Colorado State has Wyoming saying it sucks to be a Ram on a loop at the stadium. I know. <laughs> that's 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 going hard. Hey. Like that's that's good old fashioned hate right there, and I respect that. You live in Laramie. What come on. I don't know. It's uh it's cool. It's fine. Whatever. Fort Collins, Laramie. This is what we love, right? We like this type of stuff. For the record, that was Jeremy disrespecting Wyoming, not me. Hey. You want to know why I disrespect it? I got in a made a side made a trip to the Air Force Academy years and years ago. Driving back, had to get to go through Laramie. It's a small town, yeah. Um, got in an accident, three sixty on the snow into the ditch. <laughs> had to spend the night in Laramie. It's just it's just a small that's, that's town. Not Lar- that's not Laramie's fault. It's just a small town. Hey, hey, you know why it is? I had three different cell phones with three different services and couldn't get a call, and I was like two miles out of town. Oh, that sucks. So we had the funny thing is, I'll, quick story because we got a lot of games here. The one person, the irks me, the first person that stopped, basically somebody who's moving who has like a Honda Civic, every seat filled, front, back, trunk filled because they're moving. Huh. I'm like, why are you stopping? And I, luckily they had the fourth carry, whoever it was, Sprint or something, that could get a hold of the tow truck. I'm like, if the one person stopped, I appreciate the stopping. But you had no way to literally help us. Well, you did, but it's like we have two people. Okay. Your car's full. Like moving boxes front. You can imagine the car. It's like when you're moving, your car's as jammed as it can be. But that's my story for them. I don't blame on Laramie. I just happen to be in the proximity of Laramie for bad luck on my end. So A, a for effort on, on the part of the, the fine folks from Laramie. Yes, Wyoming. appreciate it. Any, so, anyway. Games. Uh, Back to the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, we should probably mention, too, it's on ESPN2. Friday night. Uh, 7.30 Mountain Time, 6.30 Pacific. And Wyoming uh, opened at 7.5 in favor of the Cowboys. They are currently a 6.5-point favorite. So... You've liked CSU the past little while, correct? They've been improving. I think we both. Yes. I think we. Well, you, you said they've been improving. Your offense is fine. Also, 
Warren Jackson, Blitnikoff's getting a punch in the face for that too, not getting an invite or semifinal bid, whatever. Come on. I agree um, with that. I think this could be a game. He's over under 50 and a half, which is probably probably about right. This will be clearly a tough test for the Rams offense, despite them playing well with Patrick O'Brien, their running game, all the receivers. Wom's well, ready to play. And so the, I think the points, it's going to be a reasonable amount of points, probably touch more than Wyoming wants. But I think what it comes down to what we're going to say again, like what we talked about last week, Tyler Vanderwall, having to throw way too many times is how they're going to lose. I think they need to let pull that back a little bit. Rely on the running game against the Rams defense. That's slightly better, but it's still not great. Well, I mean, part of most of my optimism came from the fact that it looked like they were improving, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and against Air Force last week, at least on a per play basis, they basically kind of fell back most of the way to where they had been early in conference play. You know, in the three games against New Mexico, Fresno, and UNLV, they were you know above six, six and a half yards per play. And against the Falcons, they barely averaged, you know, I think it was 5.2 yards per play. And this is the tougher Wyoming defense. Oh, that, yeah, for sure. You know, on the season, they're giving up five yards of play, basically, a shade over yeah. and, a, and a shade under in conference play. So, you know, you kind of have to hope if you're a Rams fan that the offense just doesn't come out and spit the bid again. You know, we we saw Patrick O'Brien play a mostly clean game, but you know, the interception that he threw was a backbreaker and as limited as Wyoming's offense is like, we've seen them make it work. Like they, they haven't been blown out at all. So that's kind of what I look forward to. If if I'm a Colorado state fan is like, first of all, you just, you can't afford any unnecessary turnovers. Yeah, for sure. And that's and, I guarantee there'll be one that will happen. That's kind of a like look at the Wyoming and Utah State. The lineman jumped up, tipped it from Jordan Love, caught it himself. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be at least one of those turnovers. Like crap, that could have been avoided either mm-hmm. because bad throw in your end or bad play in CSU or an amazing play by Wyoming. That's like how do they get that? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and if you look at last week's performance from the Cowboys, like if you take away that 80 yard play, the 80 yard touchdown that Jordan Love had. You know, they finished with, what, 342 yards on 78 plays. That's, you know, that would have dragged their average down even further. It's basically 4.4 yards per play. Yeah. So it's not an easy task for the Colorado State offense to move the ball and, you know, to keep Patrick O'Brien upright, which I think that's more of a strength on strength in the same way that it was last week against Utah State because Colorado State, as far as, you know, team sack rate on offense – they're basically a top 40 unit. So like despite the quarterback turnover, despite kind of the uneven rushing performances throughout the year, they've been able to keep the quarterback upright. And it's mostly just a matter of the quarterback making good decisions, especially against a tough defense, to keep them on the field, get them into the red zone, and then more importantly, to not necessarily have to settle for three, but to just punch it in. Because that's really what you have to do against this Wyoming defense. So, looking at who they play, do you buy? Because right now they're six three eight yards per play the whole season. Mm-hmm. Do you buy that? Because the reason I say that they played UNLV six and a half, Fresno, you know, defense is middle of the pack at best, six one, New Mexico seven six, Air Force five two. That's pretty good. But when you look at the teams that actually have a good defense compared to Utah State, San Diego State, they're like a almost two yards below that. 
four I mean, one and four just, five five, and so it's like that's where I, I think you just have to look at what they've done when they win versus when they lose. When they win, they're at basically seven point two yards per play. It's also who you play too strong, yeah. by, over five hundred yards of total offense per game. Are you including Western Illinois or not in that group? Uh, I am. Okay, yeah. that's eight and a half right there. So. Yeah. So, it, but in the six games that they've lost, they've been under six yards of play, mm-hmm. and there's a there's about a difference of a hundred yards of total offense in, in a game. So, that's not insignificant. True. And so, you know, I, I think I mentioned last week that this is this is the time of the year where you have to prove it, and you know, especially after last week, that is something that definitely still stands. So, let's go to Wyoming Dolphins. Just kind of flip flip around a bit. Okay. We know their running game is. Supreme, we already kind of briefly mentioned Vanderwall throwing. What do you throw? Twenty eight times last week. Too, I don't have that number. Too many, me. right? Can we just agree? Too many. Mm-hmm. He had the yards, but it took too many passes. I think if they're going to get the win, the Rams' defense we know isn't great, but is improving slightly from the past month. I think that that's what I'm going back to for one. I mean, like they need Vanderwall to play like I mentioned, kind of a Ryan Agnew type game, or what Aztecs do, where. If you need him to throw, try 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 to keep it on eighteen attempts, mm-hmm. because he doesn't have the running game as um, Sean Chambers does. So you can't rely on that to play action, too many RPOs and stuff. Because you're not going to buy buy it. There's going to mm-hmm. like we're no, you're going to pass and maybe get sacked or try to run out of bounds. You're not going to be a threat to take off for 25, 30 yards. Stiff arm a guy like he did in the opener versus Missouri. You're just going to do what a quarterback does, like. You know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady is how you hang out back there and just kind of run for a yard or two and step out of bounds or take mm-hmm. the sack. And so, yeah, he had really quick. He had uh, 30, no, yeah, oh, 36 last week. Jeez. It's, they need to basically cut that in half. Mm-hmm. Like the Boise State game, he had 23. They were close. He did okay. But they got to they can't have that too high. And versus the Rams, I think they're going to have more success in the ground running the ball because Rams' defense isn't great. And so I think that's their plan. That's what they will do, and that's how they're going to win by running the ball down the CSU and have their defense just stop or slow down the Rams, and I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, I think one thing that I'm really interested in is you know, how, you know, how much is Colorado State going to be able to disrupt up front against Wyoming's running game? Because depending on what you look at, like you can you can be an optimist or you can be a pessimist. Like if you just look at you know the the tackles for loss that they've racked up recently, you know in the last three games they've had at least six TFLs and they had seven last week against Air Force. And on a per play basis, like they held the the Falcons I believe under four and a half yards per carry or right around four and a half yards per carry, which is you know pretty significant. It took Air Force a while to get going, and even then, it was mostly because Donald Hammond was able to get big chunk plays through the air, yeah, to get them back into that game. And so, you know, one thing that I look at that could make a huge difference in this game is like on offense, Wyoming doesn't really get pushed backwards when it comes to the ground game. Mm-hmm. You know, like their, their opportunity rate, which is basically just how often runners are getting to the second level and an offensive line are doing their job. Their offensive rate ranks 102nd nationally at this point. So it's about 44%. But their stuff rate, which is the percentage of plays at or behind the line of scrimmage, is only 16%. And that's just inside the top 40. By contrast, you look at what Colorado State's been able to do on defense in terms of stuff rate, they're on 99th. So like, if you look at the raw numbers, you can maybe make an argument that they've taken a step forward. But you know, on the whole... 
like, you, you know, it depends on what you want to believe. Do you believe the yards per carry number or do you believe some of the more advanced numbers that suggest, for instance, you know, line yards per carry, which I've talked about in the past. The Rams are 123rd by that metric and 116th on, on defensive opportunity rate. So I think that that's a kind of situation that could go either way. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the Rams front to kind of keep up that production because I think if they can force Wyoming into a lot of unfavorable third down situations, I think they can put themselves in an advantage in that in that in those situations. But again, that's that might be a big if for both sides. It is. Let's get to pick stuff here. That 50 and a half, I'm tempted and want to take the under that game. <laughs> Because did you know, really, I'm looking at the points per game. Do you know the Cowboys are at 27 points per game? Would you? I, would that surprise I mean, you? That's probably been pumped up by a couple of big performances like the UNLV game, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'm just saying it's kind of surprised me. So when I'm looking at team rankings, they have Hawaii. Or, why do I get Wyoming Hawaii? I'm looking at the green here. Wyoming 29-4, CSU 22-3. So it's like basically they're pretty like a seven-point win. Number Fire has like an 11-point win. thing is, can Wyoming score 30 points? That's an excellent question. That's why I'm not quite sure about who's getting what and how many points can come from what side. Because the Rams defense isn't very good, but it's not like the Wyoming offense is burning through the sheets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that a term, burning through the sheets? Is that anything? I have no idea. <laughs> Did I just make that up? <laughs> you might have just made that up. <laughs> it's not as factual because if you burn through the sheet, you go through it quickly, right? True. <laughs> so there there you go. Um, uh, my sc- Okay, go for FEI and SP+. What do they got? <laughs> Okay, so uh, Brian Fremo's FEI metric favors Wyoming by 15. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus metric also likes the Cowboys, uh, but by just seven. Hmm. That's a 66% win probability. My score prediction, Wyoming 28, CSU 17. That's what I'm going with. I think that uh, it's 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 a tough one. I mean, I think it's tough mostly because of the spread. That too, but also Rams have a good offense. But what do you trust more, that Rams offense or that Wyoming defense? I'm going to trust that Wyoming defense a little bit more. Same. I'm going to say Cowboys 21, Rams 17. So a close one like me? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is a this is one to watch because it'll be a close one because the part of the reason I'm hesitant as well, that New Mexico-Wyoming game was close until the very end. Yeah. Partly because New Mexico just got stalled out, and Wyoming only broke away to like that fourth quarter. So you got twenty-one seventeen. So that means you got the Rams covering that six and a half. Mm-hmm. All right, next game. Let's go to Saturday. A whole slate of games. What's our first game of the day? That would be Air Force at New Mexico. Makeup game. And, and that's true. Uh, Twelve o'clock Mountain Time, eleven o'clock Pacific on ESPN three. So watch it for free online, folks. You, ESPN three is free, correct? It is. Okay, I always forget it because now there's got ESPN Plus if it's other stuff. So, okay. Um, dude, 22 points? <laughs> that that doesn't surprise me. Would you, would, you take, would you take Air Force at 28? Not to give it away, but. Ooh, okay. That would be, I'd have to think about that for a moment. Um, what is there, honestly, what is there to say of this game? Because we mentioned earlier, 0.9 chance New Mexico wins both games. I believe I'm correct in our buddy Rogers recap. Didn't Armari Davis leave the game injured last week? He did. And also didn't Bryson Carroll? And Bryson Carroll did, yeah. What's the depth chart looking like? Do you have that in front of you? 
so right now, Bryson Carroll is listed at the top of the depth chart. Uh, and there's a bunch of oars behind him. Kentrell Moran, who who ended up as the team's leading rusher last weekend against Boise State, is the backup, followed by Bobby Cole and Micah Gray. So they're losing at least one of those guys. It looks like it, yeah. I haven't heard anything about that, though. Me neither. I just remember they left the game injured. And so it's like, that's like the only chance New Mexico really has because they have two pretty good running backs, or really good running backs. And they don't have them in this game. Uh, I do like the fun, an interesting headline over at the Albuquerque Journal. Rescheduled game, not convenient for everyone involved. I'm like, well, I, so, right? Yeah. I know why it was yeah. moved, because of Najee Flowers um, passing, which was the right call to do to push this game back. So I don't know why, just because it's noon, just the weekend of the big old balloon festival, I don't know. But Yeah, I'm not sure. It's... Like, we don't need to save what's going to happen in this game. We're going to say Air Force is going to win. The 0.9% chance I joke say it's too high. It's probably too high they're going to win even this game. Like, I see z- zero legitimate scenarios why New Mexico or how New Mexico can win this game, especially if their top two backs are either out or injured. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see it. Like, there's there's no path for them to win this game. You don't think so? No. Do you see a path they can win? Maybe. Well, give it to me. Give me your best pitch. Maybe. We know that they have an explosive passing game. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not an attack that is without you know it's not hopeless like it's not the best <laughs> offense in the in the Mountain West, but you know they're they're still in the middle of the pack as far as being able to create explosive plays through the air. You know, um, I'm trying to sort by 20 yard pass plays, but they're they're tied with New Mexico for sixth with 19. 20 yard pass plays in in conference play in particular so we have seen air force struggle here and there with containing strong passing games as recently as last week uh against colorado state like i said it took them a little while to get going and really come back in that game and so if i am new mexico i think that i'm trying to ride tobacco tuioti Mm-hmm. Especially, I, especially if Omari Davis is out, like we know, Tuioti can be mobile, and that's something that Air Force hasn't necessarily seen a lot of. And we've seen them give up chunk plays, and so I think that if New Mexico is going to have to stand a chance, it might just come down to taking shots down the field, which you know, hasn't always worked out for them. Like I, rec- I recall the Hawaii game specifically, where it seemed like. Yeah, they were chugging the ball down the field, you know, trying to take 20, 30 yard shot plays, and they were just overthrowing the receivers every single time. But I kind of think that's how this game has to unfold if the Lobos want to have to, if they want to stand a chance. No, I agree. It's a, uh, but even if like Tuya Tuya is in, uh, interception free, like maybe, but. Air Force is just going to run through. I'll say it again. They'll burn through the sheets. Air Force versus the Mexican defense on the ground. They're just like, you're being optimistic. I get it. I don't want to just say, oh, Lobos are crappy. They suck. They do a decent passing game. Like, they do control the ball well. That's why the Wyoming game was close. They moved the ball, but just came up short on third downs, had to punt or got to, or couldn't convert when it got close. Problem is, they had both healthy running backs. Like, if they had both well, running backs in the game, I'd probably say I would be confident in them covering that 22 points. But now it's like, yeah, no way. 
Okay, so here, here's the other thing, though. Let's not forget that New Mexico's been pretty solid about defending the run. But they're not defending. It's triple option here, buddy. Well, I mean, we would we said the same thing a couple weeks ago when they were uh, who were they playing a couple weeks ago. I know I brought this up for one game in particular. I think it was the Hawaii game or the Nevada game, or it was one of those. And you know, I guess you could make the argument that they've taken a step back a little bit lately because they've been kind of up and down based on who they face. Like they gave up, what was it seven and a half yards per carry against Hawaii, and and nearly six yards a carry to, to Boise when all was said and done. But they held Wyoming in check for the most part. It was like 4.7. And they held Nevada under 2. So, like, we've, we've seen them do it. And just by some of the more advanced numbers, like, you know, opportunity rate and, you know, power success rate and stuff rate and things like that, they, they have been at least average in a lot of those metrics. So I do think that the volume is probably going to wear out the Lobos. But it might be the kind of situation where, especially if if Air Force can't connect on those 50-50 shot plays, which it took them a little while to do against Colorado State last week, let's not forget. So let's go to prediction time. We spent enough on this game. What what do you got? Okay, Okay, so uh, FEI likes Air Force um, by 32.3. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's a a big number. but SP plus is a pretty big number in favor of Air Force as well. It's twenty six point four, which is a ninety four percent win probability. What do you got? Falcons thirty eight, Lobos twenty. They're not going to crack forty for you. I don't think so. They're going to pull off the break. Let this cruise cruise to victory. I think so. So thirty eight twenty. I'm going big. I'm going. I'm going to go. You think that's a big three? Do you also have that puts them covering for Lobos? If you're wondering mm-hmm. out there, I think Air Force is going to score 45 points, and Mexico is only going to get 13. By the way, just a fun fact for for anybody thinking about putting money on this game or anything: <laughs> uh, New Mexico has two wins against the spread this year. <laughs> Are those the two victories? <laughs> uh, no, actually, they oh. covered they covered 17 against Wyoming, which I remember because I bet on that game. Good job. And they won. Uh, they covered six and a half uh, against Sam Houston State in the season opener. Oh, Sam Houston State, uh, good old Bearcats. The other Bearcats. So, so, so people betting on New Mexico, New Mexico in the under, or whoever's facing New Mexico in the under. So I go fifty-five. Is my, am I in the under there? Uh, the under in this fifty-five game and a half. Fifty-five and a half. <laughs> I got the under apparently. Yeah, I love. Air Force is going to, have to accumulate for eighty five percent of those points to hit the over, right? At least. I mean, that's probably within their own possibility. Yeah. All right. So next game, San Jose State at UNLV. Is this a Facebook game or AT T uh, game? It is an AT T Sportsnet game. Which, so if you were in the footprint, that's the channel you're looking for. If you were outside of the footprint, uh, you can take a look at the game preview that I have written, and you can find the link to watch it on Stadium Online. Do you drop a pin to Fresno Campus where you can watch it? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice, right? Uh, and, that, and the game, by the way, is on Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. 1 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Mountain. Last game ever at Sam Boyd Stadium. Good riddance. <laughs> I'll it's say fine. It. It's not yeah. the worst facility in the world. Like you know, I I think of like the Oakland Coliseum. I've been past a Coliseum with a seat sitting in the sun during baseball season. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm like not 
pulled out. One, I'm not one to 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 judge facilities really, but like the, the Coliseum, man. I know. Yeah, I've been by a few, a few times myself. Um, so really quick side note: I was on Hawaii fourteen twenty earlier today. I guess we're doing this Wednesday just to chat some Mountain West. At the very end, they asked me if you saw my Twitter, you've seen this. Like, so who's your first two Mountain West quarterback? Is it Josh Love? Because that's what I told them, and I guess I'm pigeonholed to Josh Love now, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, you, it kind of has to be, right? And that's what I thought because I'm working on the piece. I haven't got it quite up yet about the quarterback conundrum in the conference. As I mentioned, or it's going to be in the piece, I think we did this mention at the very end of our last show as well. I'm still kind of working on it. San Jose State, Fresno State, and San Diego State, the only teams that have played their only quarterback like 97% of the time, whatever it may be, they're only pulled for backups late if that's the case or like a one-off play. Mm-hmm. And I get it's because I don't think Jordan Love's that great this year. Hank Bachmeyer has been injured. Air Force has swapped around QBs. Nobody in New Mexico. Nobody at CSU had Colin Hill or Patrick O'Brien played the whole year and kept this up. Probably them, maybe. And Hawaii switching back and forth. And so I wasn't confident, but I guess I think he's going to be the player of the year in offense. Or not player of the year, but quarterback of the year. First QB. I mean, he's in the argument for player of the year, isn't he? We'll discuss that later because this is going to be a long podcast tonight. Okay. I'm going to put this over under 400 yards. Take me, Give me the over for Josh Love in this game. Okay, so this seems like a good time to bring up the article that I, that I noted the other day, and I, I retweeted it. Uh, Pro Football Focus put out like a re-rank of the, the 130 FBS quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and Josh Love was number one. In the Mountain West, yes, he was. And one thing that really jumped out to me do you know the definition of a big time throw off the top of your head? Thirty plus, twenty five plus. Yeah, I'm not sure what the exact definition that PFF uses, um, but I think it is worth noting that apparently Josh Love is eleventh or tied for third nationally. Excuse me, with twenty five big time throws. They don't define what a big time throw is on their own ranking. That's that's probably in like some other Propri- proprietary <laughs> information. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, okay. So here here's the definition from uh, another article. A big time throw is the on the highest end of both difficulty and value. <laughs> really, so I really guess pinpointed it's, I guess it's there. just kind of subjective. It I looks know, good. Catch it looks good and long. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, so Josh Love has been pretty good, but that's not only a credit to him. That's a credit to the receiver Trey Walker as well. Yeah, and Trey Walker's had kind of an interesting, uh, I don't know if you would call it like a role switch or whatever, because, you know, he is, I think, number two or number three in, in receiving yards in the Mountain West at this point. 59 catches, 896 yards. One touchdown, though. Did you realize that? Mm, only one. That's, get those numbers up, buddy. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's really been a very effective kind of like possession receiver. I'm trying yeah. to look up. I'm trying to look up like the number of catches he's had. Like 43 of his 59 catches have gone for first downs. Yeah, third down which guy. Seems, seems like a pretty high number. That does. And it's, <laughs> and it's actually the other two guys who have been in heavy rotation: Bailey Gaither and Isaiah Hamilton. That I think could make the bigger difference in this game against UNLV because both those guys have like a, a 20 yard catch rate of about one in four. And we know that that is an area where UNLV has typically struggled is, is defending the pass. So this kind of just seems like another situation where San Jose State might as well just kind of let it rip 
with with Josh Love and just throw forty times, which is more or less what he's been doing week in and week out anyway. It's worked, right? It for the most part it has, yeah. They beat Arkansas. They've won four games. We're getting up five. They win this game. They clash with Fresno probably very likely for a bull eligibility, the bull eligibility bowl on the mm-hmm. final week of the season for them. But here's the thing: too, like looking at UNLV's past defense, just really quick, they are like they have given up. Let's see, they're decent. Like they're not great, but they're not bad. They're just average. Like their TDs have given up twelve. They only have five picks on their own, which is I guess slightly below average. Their and yards, two of those came last week. Okay, yeah. And their yards, they're basically an average defensive team. Like, they're middle of the pack in pretty much everything. And so I guess those picks might be – they have five next best is three, so they are they don't do a good job getting that ball, uh, picking it off. So there's a chance where picks aren't going to come for Josh Love. Yards might be there. They should be there. But this it's not a pushover pass defense. It's one where Josh Love will have to work for what he has. But I think he'll be able to break through eventually. Mm-hmm. I just don't see like what UNLV does where like we've seen Arkansas State, we've seen Fresno State short fields, but like just go up against him and kind of do whatever they want essentially on that defense, whether it's run or pass. We know the uh, Spartans uh, rush offense hasn't been great, but it, it hasn't needed to be because you have one of the best quarterbacks in conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think one thing that UNLV can do, which they've done fairly well, uh, is the tight end position. Because uh, Giovanni Faulo and Noah Bean, they have combined to this point for 38 catches, and they've averaged nearly 16 yards a catch. So it's it's a wrinkle in their offense that is a little bit different than just about everybody else in the Mountain West. And I think that you know we've seen some explosive plays from from both of those guys. So it's not like it's a fluke or anything like that. If Kenyon Oblad can utilize those guys and if UNLV can turn their run game around because I, I can't remember if we mentioned it in last week's preview but you know the running game has mostly fallen off in conference play for the Rebels mm-hmm. and and we saw that even in, in with limited touches that Charles William and, and Chad Magier had some success last week against Hawaii some some success and I think that there's an opportunity for them to do so against the Spartans because, again, I think I know I definitely we mentioned this before that the Spartans have faced the most rushing attempts in college football, period. And that's because they've been not very good at defending the run. So I think there is an opportunity for for UNLV to hang around in this game if they can get the run game going. But I think the most important thing is kind of like we just talked about with Colorado State, avoid the killer mistake. Because San Jose State's still a team that can create a lot of turnovers if Oblad's not careful throwing the football. And especially if this game is close late, one of the things that really jumped out to me in, in writing about this game, no quarterback in college football has more fourth quarter interceptions than Kenyon Oblad. <laughs> not surprising. Like there, I- there's one other quarterback who has as many. But he's thrown six of his eight interceptions in the fourth quarter, and that has done a world of hurt for the Rebels. Going back to the running game super quick, for UNLV in-league play, do you know how many touchdowns they have? I think we talked about this on the preview podcast, or the recap podcast. Uno. One. You have arguably the best runner in the conference, and you have one in-league play. You're averaging like 3.3 yards of attempt. It's like... I, the, it, we've already, we don't need to get dive into again, like, to, what's his name? Sanchez gone or whatever. He's, who cares? But 
what like they you point out there they had fourth quarter mistakes the running game's non-existent even though they have a good running game defense yeah it's not great but you're going up against an elite almost a fairly elite quarterback i'd say elite the way he can throw the ball 400 plus yards in multiple games like this almost is like when's the last time you said since we've been doing a podcast or when san jose state's doing the mountain west that you said i'm going to guarantee a san jose state victory Ooh, that would, I mean, that it would have been a while ago. I would say never. <laughs> they're only a six-point favorite, but there's no way I'm touching the Rebels to win this game. No way. I don't care if Kenny Maines in the crowd because it's the last game at Sam Boyd. He's not going to come out and play for them. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Randall Cunningham, if he comes back, if all these great former players who come back for the final game, if they want to come back, there might be a little, a little juice in the first quarter just because of that, but... I'm not touching Rebels at all. They're going to lose and probably lose by at least two touchdowns. Convince me so why convince note. me why I shouldn't think it would be close. Why would it be close, Matt? Can you give me a good reason? I mean, I think if UNLV can control the pace of the game and limit possessions, then they might be able to keep it close. But most of their problem this year is like when one unit is playing well, like we just saw last week in Hawaii. Defense, the other yeah. unit isn't the other unit isn't holding up its end of the bargain. Can the defense and do that again? You think? Because Hawaii's passing tax better than San Jose State overall. That is a very good question. And we kind of saw it both ways because they picked off Chip and Cordero twice, mm-hmm. and then really couldn't do anything to stop Cole McDonald once he came in the game. Yeah, he just, they just couldn't get points. Yeah. So let's get a prediction time. What does FEI and SP Plus say for us? So FEI does project a fairly close game. They favor the Spartans by just 3.8 points. Uh, SP Plus likes San Jose State by a little bit more, but it's only 6.2, which is a 64% win probability. What's your prediction? Prediction. Oh, I got the Spartans. <laughs> After all that, oh, no question. Spits it out, Spartans by whatever. What's your what's your score prediction? <laughs> 34 to 17. 34 to 17. That's a uh, convincing victory there. I was one, not one last one last round of disappointment in Vegas. One last round before they disappoint everybody in the stadium they the the renter stadium they get, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Can we call it the loner stadium? Sure, why not? <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's not their stadium. They're lucky to have it. We will see. Um I'm going to go, man, you're going kind of high points. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go forty to twenty for San Jose State. They're just gonna All run. Right they're gonna run with this one. There's like, I'm not gonna. This is this UNLV team is as bad as it was before they hired Sanchez. Like when Bobby Hawk was the coach, it's that bad. They there's no like we have no update, no reason or anything or and just not reason, but we have no clue what's up with Armani Rogers. Why he's not even on the team doing anything. It's it's a mess. All right, let's go to the next game, boys. Do we do the big game next? Is it Boise, Utah State? Let's do it. 8.30. We have three late games. 8.30 Mountain, 7.30 Pacific. CBS Sports Network. Boise State, number 20 in the playoff versus Utah State. We already discussed all the tiebreakers. Not getting into it now. Me and Raj, if you listen to our playoff ranking podcast from most recent one, you heard kind of my mini pick on this, kind of who I'm taking and why. The biggest thing, Matt, are we drawing names out of the hat for quarterback? Do we have a five-sided die to figure out who this is going to be playing or whatever? So so are Brian Harson and Gary Anderson just being like purposely obtuse? They're jerks. That's what they are. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> ah. There has been 
I, we mentioned there's been the row visual added evidence of Bachmeyer and Cord throwing like a couple passes. I did see that. I did see Bachmeyer anyway. Here's the thing I mentioned. If you, I'll, I'll say it again really quick because I don't know if you listen to it. I don't blame if you don't. Whatever to the uh, playoff podcast ranking things. I mentioned if there was zero zero chance both were not were injured, and only you, had, you only had Jalen Henderson. I don't care if it's in Mexico. Had he got injured, one of those two guys is going to play. They're mm-hmm. both dressed. I would bet anything that one of those guys, either of those guys are healthy enough to play. If it were to say, hey, you need to come out for more than like the one play, because had it been a helmet fell off or whatever, you, you're banged up or you stubbed your toe or you got to sit out for a player or two, you're bleeding or something, they would have put in maybe the Wildcat or Hightower or something. But I mm-hmm. guarantee you they weren't going to a game where they're going to put in another red, another redshirt freshman QB he's never played, Not, like a walk-on quarterback. One of those guys is healthy, which leads me to beat B leads me to believe one of those two are going to start this weekend. They're just not talking because until there's a uniform injury report college football, which I wish there should be, they don't like gambling. That's why it's not the, not there. But one of those two guys is going to play, and I'm I would give my right here eighty eight percent chance it's going to be Hank Bachmeyer. There was no reason to play him the past couple weeks. More for the most likely, I guess Wyoming probably could have played him, but he's going to be. I, I'm going to say 88 percent is going to be Hank Bachmeyer. I mean, I think you're right. So that's what I'm going with. So what do we think so, about? So you go ahead. I talked about a bunch. You go with. What do you got? One okay. So I'm going to go back to that PFF article real quick because we talked about how. Josh Love was number one among Mountain West quarterbacks. So I want to turn our attention real quick to the other Love, Jordan. Uh-oh. <laughs> so one of the things that I wish some website kept better track of was the number of like potential interceptions week by week. Because I buy the Football Outsiders Almanac every year, and that's something that they they put alongside like actual interceptions versus like you know, passes that they chart that probably could have been interception and were just dropped or something like that. Like it dropped interceptions, like drop passes. Yeah, pretty much. So like there's two, basically two different figures. And okay. so what I wanted to bring up here was something that I think could make a gigantic difference in this game if Jordan Love is 100% and he's ready to go under center. Because we've talked about his his problem with just interceptions, period. Bad interceptions as well. Yeah, so... According to Pro Football Focus, he has thrown 23 turnover-worthy passes, which is the second most among all FBS quarterbacks. What does he have, actually? Is it like 14? I think it's – isn't it like 12? I don't have that number in front of me. I'll, I'll pull it up here, but it's pretty close. I remember it's like his touchdown – Oh, it's 14. You were right. And 13 touchdowns, I think, right? Yeah. So it's something that I think is going to bear watching in this game because – Boise State, of course, has a very, very strong secondary. Like, they're number one in the conference, and it's not even close as far as opponents' uh, completion rate. Like, they're only allowing a 53% completion rate in conference play. And their opponent's passer rating is... Or excuse me, I'm looking, what am I looking at? I'm looking at the wrong one. 53.7, excuse me. And their passer rating is 121, opponent's passer rating. So in some respects, they've been very good. They're only giving up 6.8 yards per attempt, but they only have four interceptions. And what's interesting about that is that 
despite their success, teams have continued to try to throw against them in conference play. And maybe some of that is a matter of kind of playing catch up in some respects. They've seen 216 pass attempts. And it's the kind of thing where I think Utah State might be tempted to go in that same direction, but they only have four interceptions. Yeah. And, And it's not like they have really gotten their hands on a lot of passes either. Like, if you just look at what they've done as far as passes defended, they're basically in the middle of the pack. And so it's hard to say sometimes, like, sometimes there's a little bit of bad luck, especially if there's a huge disparity between the number of passes you're getting hands on and the number of interceptions you're coming away with. And I don't know that you necessarily see that in Boise's case, but, like, if Jordan Love continues to kind of be mistake-prone in the same way that he was, especially early in conference play, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, we haven't even talked about Curtis Weaver yet. Like with or without Weaver, you know, this is a secondary that could very easily punish love for any mistakes that he might make. And this offense is definitely good enough to turn those mistakes into points. Mm -hmm. So what Gary Anderson said, I'm actually getting a piece ready from one of our um, Utah state guys. Uh, Sam has something. He believes it's going to be Columbia Mm -hmm. partly because in teleconference or press conference from Gary Anderson, usually when they say it's kind of the norm now, they will say, we're not going to comment. It's not season ending. That's what a lot of coaches are coming down to now, because Mm -hmm. if it's season ending, most coaches are not that big of jerks. They'll say, yeah, he's out for the year. We'll discuss it then. Or, or they'll say he's, uh, they'll say something along the lines like, well, we're not sure. It's just not season ending. It's still, Kind of like a we'll see. So he's not yeah, clear. Yeah. There's like a maybe. So what, here's exactly what Gary Anderson said. He's like, I don't really have any, anything on that yet, which means, and this was Monday, and the, the believed injury was a concussion the way he got hit. So we don't have anything on that yet, which means they're still doing tests. In my translator here, still doing tests, still like, okay, we don't know his status at all because he's not practicing. Um, no comments. Okay, because he doesn't know. There's nothing really to tell at this point, so we'll see. He had no clue what the what the issue was. Specific, I mean, not the issue. He knew what the injury was. He has no clue if he's going to play. Mm. And a concussion, you coming back next week? Maybe, maybe not. That's why I think it's probably going to be Columbia playing this game on Saturday. And that's a huge dip for Utah State. However, Columbia has played a ton last year when Utah State was crushing opponents. So he's not a brand-new quarterback, but he's also not Jordan Love. He did play about what a qu- half a quarter last week versus Wyoming, so he played a little mm-hmm. bit. But it's clearly even with how bad Jordan Love is playing. Remember that Sosie Mariner eighty-yard pass? He still can make those great throws. So it gives an edge to Boise if it's a backup quarterback, even without Curtis Weaver for the Broncos side. I mean, I think the upside with with Columbia, if he does end up as the starter, is like where are the odds he's going to have the same problem with turnovers? I don't know. I think that even if he ends up on our center, he should be able to hold his own. Because like you, like you mentioned what he did in, in garbage time last year, but even in the action that he's seen this year, and, and of course small sample caveats apply, but he's completed you know, 14 of 18 passes, 143 yards, which is about eight yards attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Mm-hmm. So he's been pretty solid when he has had control of the offense. And last week against Wyoming, like they didn't really need him to do too much. But I think if if he can be like 
I don't know, 75 to 80 percent of what Jordan Love was last year. Or basically just kind of if he can do a, a little bit without necessarily the, like the, the killer turnovers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think Utah State could hang around in this game. I mean, especially if the running game is up to snuff, which I think is maybe the bigger if in this instance. Like if Jalen Warren and Gerald Bright can't get it going, then I think we're kind of back to square one because they didn't really have it on the ground against Wyoming last week. Sure. And and Boise State is still a very, very tough defense to run against. I It is, but I think that's what they're going to lean on, Jalen Warren and Gerald Bright. Jalen Warren seems more healthier as the weeks go along. So I think that's what they're going to lean upon, right? That has to be what they're going to do. I mean, you think so, but it hasn't really come around yet. Like over the last month, their best performance is basically four yards to carry against Fresno State. Sure. I was wondering how healthy Jalen Warren is. He's seemed to slowly get back there, but he doesn't seem to be back there yet. Uh, I don't know. So if we look at Boise State, let's go to their side. I, I, it's, you're right. Like he, we, it's, it's hard to tell. You give a good analysis about what, he, what we could see from him. Uh, maybe so Samirani gets a lot more passes, but I'm leaning toward the running game being more prolific, or at least not prolific, but uh, run heavy, I should say, what they're going to do. And if it works out, it works out. But they're not but they're not going to change offense all that much. They might throw – they might run like a 5% difference between running and passing. I mm-hmm. don't think it will be that big of a difference, but it'll be, it will be leaning a little more to the run at least early on. Mm-hmm. But we look at Boise State, what I also said, it's like, well, who are they going to start last night with Raj? I'm like – I said this outright, and I believe this. This is not me joking around or pulling anybody's leg. If it's Jalen Henderson, Boise State's not going to win the game. I firmly, so? I firmly believe Utah State will win if it, if they're starting him. If it's anybody else, like here's how I put it: if it's Bachmeyer, it's good. well a couple of ways I put it. Bachmeyer win regardless. If it's if it's Cord versus Love, slightly into Love. If it's Cord versus Columbia, slightly into Cord. Henderson at all, it's Utah State regardless of who Utah State starts out there. That's kind of my pecking order of how this game could play out because it's a we don't know who the quarterback is either side, but that's kind of my conference level with that being the most important position. Because I, I, I haven't been a fan of Chase Cord playing all that great. Like he he scrambles a bit. He just doesn't seem as good as Bachmeyer playing. See, I, I mean, I kind of take this. I take a similar kind of tack when I'm thinking about this game because you know, obviously, both teams have the same kind of quarterback question in mind. The big difference is that Utah State's defensive front may not be, and, and probably actually, I'm just going to be more definitive. They aren't as good as Boise State's defensive front. They're not. And so, if like, what do you do when you're trying to protect a quarterback and and trying to keep him from doing too much? You you run the football. Yeah. And for the most part, like when you look at some of the more advanced numbers, like, you know, look at stuff rate, for instance, uh, Utah State's got a stuff rate of about 17 percent, but that's only 93rd nationally compared to what the Broncos are doing on defense. Uh, again, it's not all about Curtis Weaver, like they're in the top 40 by that same front or even just like their success in, in stopping short yarded situations like Boise State on defense is ninth in power success rate. UNLV excuse me, Utah State, rather, um, is is 37th. You know, there's there's little differences in the way these defensive fronts play. So I think regardless of whoever is going to be under center, what I look for is a, is a strong start from the running game. Because I think if they, oh, can, yeah. if they can lean on that, that opens up the pass down the field. For both and, teams. Both teams. 
Yeah, and and we know that Utah State has had trouble more often than not in in giving up chunk plays. That's something that Boise State can do a lot of. Yeah, and it's not and it's not even just one guy either. So what is that? What so what's your difference in this game? Because Boise is favored by what eight points? Uh, I believe eight, it's... yeah, eight point road favorite against Utah State. Utah State has only lost one game in twelve tries as this year to BYU. Mm. I still think like overall, like here's the thing, Utah. We're acting like this is a super close game. Utah, Utah State's only six and four. They're not like we were last year. And Boise's nine and one. So like the win difference, favorite everything favors of Boise. Like if you look at defense line of Boise State, running game, slight edge of Boise State. Neither are great, but they they've shown their signs. But Boise's better there. Receiving, give it to Boise State. Uh, most positions, like it's a slight edge to Boise State overall. At minimum, at minimum, nothing is even. Like, can you pick one position you'd say Utah State's better than Boise State outside of field goal kicking? Maybe save on Scarver or kick return. Like anything that's not special teams, is Utah State better than Boise in anything? Hard to say at this point. Maybe offensive line. Maybe. Well, and but like I, I said, yeah. we, we know the offensive line has been very good about being able to keep Jordan Love upright. Yeah. But they have to bear some of the responsibility for their recent inability or inconsistency in running the ball. Yeah. So it's like me picking Boise to lose if it's Jalen Henderson. It's kind of on the limb, but third string QB, it's like, I don't know. I, I think Boise should win. And it's, I I just, I think we're just, or I think what we're, our problem is here, we're, thinking too much about the QBs about, well, who plays a quarterback? That's a big deal. It is. But if you kind of look at it more, more broad, big picture, like maybe the only even position would be running back. Like I said, maybe, but I think Boise's probably going to win. It's going to be, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be reasonably close. Even if Hank Bachmeyer starts, it's Hank Bachmeyer versus Henry Columbia. Boise might only win by at most two, like maybe two touchdowns. I don't think they're going to blow him out. Cause I think Utah State's defense is good enough to keep this close. And not get out of hand. So this might be a good time to bring up a disclaimer about the projections that we use. Because <laughs> uh, this is a question especially that Bill Connolly has to deal with a lot on Twitter if you don't follow him. Good luck with that. His responses are um, great too. He's like, projection systems do not account for injuries. Yeah. They're forward-facing His projections. His projections. Yeah, his projections. I would assume most projection systems are the same though. Yeah. So just just keep that in mind. When I tell you that FEI favors Boise, by wait, 15. let me guess. Hold on, wait, wait. They they do not take into consideration. I'm going to say it's more than ten points. Well, I just said it was thirteen. Oh, I didn't hear you say it. I, I think I, I might have beat you to the punch. Oh, I didn't hear you say it. So, because I was going to say the only thing that takes into account is the betting line, which is minus eight. Any advanced numbers is probably going to be at least ten for Boise. Uh, not SP plus. What? It's it. They do favor the Broncos, but by just eight point six, which is a sixty nine percent win probability. All right. FEI, real quick. We haven't done that in a while. Or FPI, I should say. 67% for Boise State. Uh, when you look at like team rankings and number fire, they both say it's basically a 10-point victory for Boise State. What do you say? So what's, what's your official prediction? Oh, fine, I'll go first. You beat me to that as well. I'm, I'm too slow tonight, apparently. Uh, here's it. Like... Can we amend this if we don't know who the quarterback is? Or we just have to go with what we know and deal with it and suck it up? I mean, that's why they pay us the big bucks. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> okay, that's true. Uh, some bucks, I'll say. But um, I'm going to say it's good. Like I said, I'm going to go this. I'm gonna, uh, I don't want to pick a push because that's lame. 
I'm going to go 28. Uh, I don't know. Boise's going to win because I'm confident it's either quarter Bachmeyer starting, likely Bachmeyer. So that's where I'm leaning in that. I think it'll be 28 17 Boise State. Sort of close, but still cover. And yeah, 28 17 Boise State keeps them in the group of five race and they will clinch the, clinch the Mountain Division title. I've got the Broncos as well. Uh, I'm going to say Boise State 31, Ooh. Utah State 24. 31-24, so not covering. No. Interesting. Why is that? Because QB situation or? I mean, I don't think the QB situation is going to matter much, honestly. Hmm, interesting. I trust the Broncos offense to be less mistake prone than the Utah State offense. That's a good I reason. Think, I think that'll basically be the difference in the game. That's a good reason to go that. All right, what's your next game, Matt? What do we got? Uh, that would be at the same same kickoff time, different channel, uh, 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 Mountain Time, Nevada at Fresno State on ESPN2. This line shocks the crap out of me. I have no idea what's up with this line. Fresno State is favored, 13 and a half. Lay it down, Matt. Well, how, why would uh, Fresno be favored by two touchdowns? I imagine most of it comes down to the fact that Vegas may not know what to do with Nevada. Hey, join the club. <laughs> and and just to, to, to kind of to drive that point home, I think I put it out on Twitter. I'm, I'm trying to look this up on the fly. You know, obviously, you know, the they've had some uh, forgettable performances to, to put it. To, to, to put it kindly, <laughs> yeah. So you know they lost. What was it by? What was it? Seventy-one oh, to the Oregon. Oregon. Seventy. Yeah. So seventy-seven they, they to lost six. By 70, yeah, seventy-seven to six. God. Um, they lost by fifty-one to Hawaii. Hey, and Nevada can still win the division. <laughs> no, they can't. Oh, they. I thought we said they could. Sorry. No, okay. they lost. They lost the head-to-head to Hawaii. Oh, we're not going back to that again. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they lost by twenty-six to Utah State, and they lost by twenty-eight to Wyoming. But dot dot dot. The ball, they are the also four and zero in one score games. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that is wild. So so for every kind of dismal performance that they've had, the Wolfpack have shown that they are capable of surprises. And so when I look at this game, I think I I think Vegas is just wondering which Wolfpack team is going to show up because like when you look at the splits, particularly on defense. Um, it has been kind of an all or nothing thing in the four games that they lost. They've been giving up nearly seven and a half yards per play in the six games that they've won though. They're only giving up five yards of play. So there's, there's nearly a two and a half yard difference between the six games that they've won and the four games that they've lost. And so when you start looking at this game, I think you have to start there is which Nevada defense is going to show up. And I think if it's if it's the defense that has been able to surprise opponents, which honestly I wouldn't be surprised if it was, because I think I can't remember if we mentioned it on the recap podcast or not, but Fresno State's at the point where they are they had started eight different offensive mm-hmm. line combinations Didn't in the first ten that. games of the year. Not good. Um, not good. And, and there's a chance that it, there's a there outside chance that it might get to 11. 11? I'm, I'm not totally sure yet. Uh, I'd have to look. I have. I don't have the, uh, wait, the wait, game you, by game you're starters. Ass, you're assuming that they make a bowl game to get three more chances. 
No, no, no. I'm saying this is game number 11. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. And this might be their ninth combination. Oh, I see. Okay, I must have misheard what you said. Regardless, yeah. that's not good. No, it's not. And so I look at that matchup of, of Fresno State's banged-up offensive line versus Nevada's defensive line. We know they got some talent up front. You know, and, and guys like Don Peterson, Sam Hammond, who's very quietly having a good year. And even, you know, the guys behind them. I don't think we've mentioned Gabe Sewell a lot this year. Not a ton. Quietly having a pretty good year overall. You know, he's got five tackles for loss. He's among the team leader in tackles. And he's, you know, it's not necessarily a, you know, Malik Reed and staff kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those situations where Nevada has been effective when they've been on their game. And it's been kind of a team effort in that regard. Uh, I This game... It's weird because it's not like you trust Jorge Reina, right? Or Ronnie Rivers. Well, and that's the other thing. Like, we, we've seen Nevada stand up and defend the the run pretty well. Like, they're they're kind of in that same basket that we just talked about with mm-hmm. New Mexico where yeah. when, it come, when it comes to defending the run, at least, they are not as bad as you might think just if you don't watch them closely. It just In terms of line yards per carry, for instance, I can't remember if we mentioned it with the Lobos earlier. The Lobos are 40th on defense in line yards per carry. Nevada's 34th and they're in the top 50 in both power success rate and stuff rate. So we just saw this Fresno state running game scuffle last week in their most recent loss. And there's a decent chance it could happen again. You think so? I think, I mean, I think so. Yeah. That's one of those, it's one of those X factors because we, you know, when it comes to Nevada on defense, like we've seen it disappear too. Yeah. So it's one of those things where whichever side ends up kind of pushing the other one around, whether that's Fresno State's offensive line or Nevada's defensive line, is going to have a huge influence on how this game turns out. So let me ask you the same question Utah State, Boise State. Like, what is there a definitive edge for any unit on either side of the ball? I mean, I think that Utah State's offensive line is good. I think Boise State's defensive no, line. No, I mean, Nevada, Fresno. Oh, Nevada, Fresno. Like, I mean, like, sorry, same, similar question. Like, is there any, like, if that game was, it's all Boise State, essentially. Like, if you're picking one position to win this game for you, if you had to say this is why Fresno's going to win or wh- or whoever's going to win, what would you pin it on? Ooh, okay. Um, honestly, I think it would come down to the secondary. Which which one? Fresno State's secondary. Okay. Why is that? We've seen Nevada throw pretty well, for the most part, even though with multiple QBs. So I'm going to bring up that PFF article one more time. Do it. Uh, because when they talked about Carson Strong, what they brought up was something that was, you know, they were talking about his uh, recent success. And so if you just look at the the normal stat line, you'll see that he completed, I believe, 70% of his passes over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is only, his average depth of target, which is just how far he's throwing the ball, is only 8.2 yards. And I, I forget the exact math behind the metric that uh, Sports Reference puts out there, but they have you know yards per attempt versus adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, and when you look at the league leaders, they're like around 7.5 or 8 adjusted yards per attempt. By that same measure, though, Carson Strong is at basically like 5. So... When he's had success over the last couple of weeks, it's not because he's throwing the ball down the field or, or, or pitching and catching all the time. 
they basically nickel and dimed their way into a couple of wins. Gotcha. And so when I think about another place where this game might turn, like if Nevada wants to do the same thing and, and get the ball into to Romeo Dobbs and Elijah Cook's hands, like we've seen them create big plays by running after the catch, by breaking uh, a bad tackle and, and gaining like an extra 15, 20, 30 yards, something like that. That's the kind of thing that could definitely happen in this game because we, we've seen quarterbacks make throws uh, against this defense that maybe they might not have been able to last year. Like we've seen quarterbacks thread the needle, but we've also seen a fall off in Princeton State's ability to tackle. And yeah, so defense hasn't been good. Yeah, so if, if Nevada can take advantage of that, and especially if they can give him time to throw, which uh, you know for as banged up as, as Nevada's offensive line has been, like they probably still have the advantage over Fresno's defensive front because they just haven't been able to generate a pass rush at all. So if they can give strong time to throw, if he can get the ball into his receiver's hands, then it's going to come down to, you know, can they keep it to an eight or nine yard play? Or is that going to turn into like a 15, 16 yard play or even worse? I think one thing too we need to bring up is the running game has been awful for Nevada. Mm-hmm. Toatella has basically fallen off the map, which we seem to mention every week. So if I have Ed Jarrett, say maybe the Fresno running game, Ronnie Rivers. But I do like what you're saying with the Nevada passing game versus that Fresno secondary. If I'm picking one, I'd pick Ronnie Rivers, that unit, to run the ball, even though he had been okay. But he, we've seen potential what he can do. Like we've seen him, how, what he can run, how much he's running, when he gets the ball, and like how he score a few touchdowns, where he has, what, 700 yards, 12 TDs. Like that's nothing to sneeze at. So if Jorge Reina, who we know is not a total problem, most of it's the offensive line, kind of not don't want to blame them, but just they're put in a difficult spot when you, you can mention the new offensive line every week, essentially. Mm. And I think if uh, they get after Jorge Reina, it's going to come to Ronnie Rivers. I think they're just going to want to run and run as they should and then work on a passing as it comes through. And I think Fresno is going to win, but not by that much. That two touchdown is way too high for me. So it's, it's a big if. You think it's a big if you don't think they can run reasonably well against Nevada? Well, I mean, that's what I was just saying. Like, Nevada's front is better at defending the run than you might think. I know, but I still like the – when I'm looking at the best unit, I'm like, that's the best chance, I think, for Fresno State. Right? Uh, Yeah, I guess. Like, are you going to put it on Jorge Reina to pass to victory? (sighs) (laughs) Maybe not. And just so you know, Nevada's middle of the pack in yards per play allowed of running, so it's not like they're blowing it up. So I'm just saying, like, you have you've resided to say the running game is how they're going to win on offense. I think I think everybody around here would hate it if if Jorge Reina ended up with the ball in his hands and they're down like I don't know four points with three minutes to go or something like was that. Was that the was it the end result at USC? That's <laughs> and Minnesota and yeah. Minnesota future playoff team Minnesota. Don't forget that. Anyway, what do you got? What is it? What does the advance number say for this one? Okay, so uh, FBI. Loves Fresno State. Uh, they favor the Bulldogs by 19.3. Oh, boy. Um, SP Plus also likes the Bulldogs. Maybe not quite as much, though. They favor them by 13.8, which is a 79% win probability. Wow. What do you say? <sighs> Remember, bull eligibility is get, is on the line if they're, make, if they're one step closer or not in this game. Honestly, I think Nevada's going to do it. Oh, What's your score? Nevada 24, Fresno State 21. Regulation? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just curious. I st- for some reason it popped in my head. Let's get one of those five overtime games where they have to go for two every time. Oh god, nobody, especially with a 7:30 kickoff, there'd be like 12 people in the stands by the end. I think be 12 people will kick off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you laugh, but no, Aaron Judge is going to be there. Apparently. Okay. Oh, okay. That's how you get people to stand, right? Aaron Judge. Uh... Is he going to hit some dingers or something? Is that what's going to yeah, happen? $9.90 $9. tickets as well. There you go. That's get cheaper than StubHub right here. It's just 19 So, yeah, go there buy you, the There you go. If you get those nine ninety tickets, go for it because he's number 99. All right, final game of the day. San Diego State at Hawaii. I appreciate Hawaii does not observe daylight saving time because it's a 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Mountain kick. Nice. Helps, helps out a little bit, extra hour, which means get your three screens going at this time, right? Yeah, laptop, tablet, cell phone, two TV, TV. however you do it, multiple TV. However you do it. My little girl looks at me like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm like, yeah, are you watching a game on the phone and your TV and the computer? I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, you are. I'm like, I'll do it. Last last time on Facebook, by the way. It's on Spectrum Pay-Per-View on the Islands on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Facebook. You can just search Mountain West Wire. We will have the post for you it'll be twitter it'll be on the website we'll have our, we'll share the page as well so you'll find it check it out um so this game it is a winner take all west division title game right yes it is are you surprised why is a three-point favorite i mean that basically pegs them as even right yeah i was a little shocked aztecs are ranked in the top 25 as well if you take any meaning in that it's the coach's ball right uh Oh yeah, I think so. One of the polls. Yeah, I don't. I don't take any meaning in the coach's poll. Eight people has them like one out. <laughs> They're a good team. They're eight and two. That's true. So, have you heard the news about um, quarterback Ryan Agnew? I did not hear the news. Missed practice on Monday. Calf bruise. Return to practice is hundred percent good to go. Now I'm wondering, is that a Juwan Washington one hundred percent or real one hundred percent? I would imagine it's going to be a real 100% because he, he looked like he looked mobile. He looked sharp against Fresno State last week. And to me, this kind of situation seems like uh, potentially more the same for the Aztecs, if you can believe that. Yeah, they um, it mentioned it happened in the third quarter. So he played at least a quarter plus with that injury. Mm-hmm. So if he played fine that fourth quarter, it's probably not a big deal. It's more likely give me some rest because – it got inflammation over the weekend, Sunday through Monday. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the adrenaline thing. You get you get hit, like, say, a car accident. You trip down the stairs. You bump your arm, bump your hip, bump your shin or whatever. You won't see a bruise for, like, two a couple days. Mm-hmm. So it's probably, probably what it was. It's like, well, let me just take a day off. Especially in the calf. You can get Charlie horses a lot. It can tighten up there. It's like, let's let it get a massage, get some cow's milk, whatever you put on there to rub it nice and good to get it. The icy hot, whatever you want to put on there, ice, rice, whatever, the rest, all that stuff. He'll probably probably be fine. On the other hand, I'm going to flip a coin for Hawaii quarterback because I don't know what they're doing. Well, and apparently, according to their recent depth chart, they don't know either because Chevin Cordero and Cole McDonald tied together with the dreaded or <laughs> week twelve. The or interestingly, they're not the only or on offense though. Fred Holly the third and Miles Reed at running back are also tied together with an or. The way Miles Reed has been playing, he should be the starter. I mean, I, honestly, I don't know that that distinction is going to matter as much. No. But I, but I do think that their ability to run the football is going to make a massive difference in this game one way or the other. Because you're talking about Hawaii's offensive line 
which we we know their prowess when it comes to you know to keeping Cordero and McDonald up, right? Like they're they're basically like I think a top ten unit as far as sack rate nationally. Um, you know, but they're going up against a defensive front that is basically it's you know we talked about Boise State a minute ago. San Diego State's the best defensive line in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a sensational matchup for people who are really into that kind of thing, you know, play in the trenches and things like that. For sure. Because, you know, they tapered off ever so slightly last week against UNLV. Like on the season, they're still averaging, you know, 5.7 yards per carry. But over the last two weeks against San Jose State and UNLV, they've been under five yards per carry on the ground. Or actually, excuse me, that's. That's rushing defense. Just kidding. Whoops. Flip it around. <laughs> uh, flip it around. Uh, but, okay. Still holds true on offense, though. Um, they've averaged 5.2 on the on the ground on offense. But last week against UNLV, it was around 4.7. So, you know, if they can't get it going on the ground, that's going to put more pressure on a quarterback situation where, you know, we talk about a week in and week out. If they can't avoid mistakes, this is the kind of game that can go sideways very quickly. Like San Diego State may not have the most like prolific offense, but if you set them up to succeed, they can take advantage of that. You know because they have, at a minimum, one of the most reliable kickers in the Mountain West, Matt Ariza, mm-hmm. who is another guy that we haven't really talked about enough. Um, you know he can turn short fields into at least three points, and if San Diego State can kind of turn around what really betrayed them last year, which was more or less Cole McDonald just throwing the ball all over the field on him. Question, it, are we getting a fade by Agnew to win the game? I don't think so. <laughs> really hope not. <laughs> Had to bring it up. But I mean this is I mean this is a you know strength on strength in the same way that it that it was last year. And so it's really hard to say which team's gonna come up on top this time around. I'll say this for Hawaii to be honest it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It just matter whatever quarterback's in there doesn't make mistakes. I think you're right. Like, I have confidence in either playing well, and it doesn't seem to matter if one gets pulled or whatever. Even if they do get pulled, both of them are going to be fine. It's There There could be other issues if they throw two – if it's like last week where they threw two picks. If you mm-hmm. give San Diego State two interceptions in your own half the field, like you said, that's anywhere from six to 14 points. And this could be a game where if that happens, it could be similar to the Fresno UNLV game a couple weeks ago. All those opposite field turnovers for, in favor of Fresno State – they're outgained everything, but they score four touchdowns that would go in like probably not even 120 total yards because they get the ball deep in the other team's territory. Like okay, that, so that could be a possibility. So I'm going to go back to the PFL, the PFF, well, one more time to really drive that point home. They also set Cole McDonald in there as the one quarterback. So yeah, so Cole McDonald, Jordan Love, only two quarterbacks in the country with at least 17 big time throws which we, we talked about mm-hmm. first and foremost with, with Josh Love. Subjective. So he's making a lot of big-time throws, but he and Jordan Love are the only quarterbacks in the country with even more turnover-worthy throws. Not surprising one bit. <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about it with Jordan Love. McDonald has 30? Number, number one in the country. 30. 24. Oh, 24. Oh, dang it. I want to get 30. But, you know, if he decided to play that dangerous game, like, you know, San Diego State has 12 interceptions. Looks pretty good. They are there. definitely the kind of defense that can exploit that. So you're telling me he shouldn't play like Brett Favre? I mean, I think if he's going to play by Brett Favre, he should play like 
like a good Brett Favre. That would, be, that would be my advice. I'm just saying, but he's a gunslinger back there, McDonald. Because we don't know who's starting, which I would say this that they're kind. Of, I don't know. I was gonna say Shavon Cordero should be the guy, but it's like he had two picks last week in the first little bit. Mm. I, I like. I could see either team winning. If we're looking like strength for strength, that's what this game is: offense versus defense. I think what it could really come down to is, let's just say Agnew, the bruise, he gets a helmet leg or as defender, as offensive lineman falls on him or something. If he goes out, that's a big deal because Agnew, he's not gonna blow blow your pants off like blow your socks off for the game. He will. He doesn't turn the ball over. He does well enough. It's not gonna be a thirty passing attempt game by him. But if you're back up in there, then if you have Juan Washington, who who knows how healthy or not he is, like if if it starts nickel nicking at you, where okay, Agnew's a step slower because that thing pops up, which it may. I'm just speculating a little bit because he is he he did miss practice. That's not something to overlook at all when he missed completely practice, even though he's back, he might be fine. But if Washington claims he's back, like how much trust do the coaching staff have in him to give him the ball 20 times? Could it, it's like that's the, there's a lot of question marks on. San Diego State's offense. Not that there's none on Hawaii, but I think with Hawaii, whoever's at QB, it's you're going to respect that, and there's not necessarily a drop off. It's just weird that they'll have picks here and there. It's like I'm not, there's going to be mistakes happen, but if you have either guy, either guy's going to perform probably the same, right? For the most part, if you, I'm trying to, you know, you know, I'm getting that right. Like there's going to be errors. I do know, I do know what you're saying, but I mean, it's hard. It's, uh, it's just to your decide. point about Agnew, though, I don't know that I would necessarily agree because, you know, I think that's kind of a, you know, we talked about strength on strength. I think that San Diego State's running game versus Hawaii's ability to defend the run is kind of, that's a weakness on a weakness matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that if I'm Rocky Long, if I'm, if I'm Jeff Horton, why not? You know, because we, we've talked, I think, nearly week in and week out about Hawaii's inability to rush the passer. They're 123rd with a 3% sack rate. I think they're mm-hmm. going to have time for Agnew to throw. And especially in conference play, like, Hawaii's been kind of iffy against the pass. Like, they're they're allowing opponents to complete 60% of their passes. And they're roughly middle of the pack in yards per attempt at 7.6. Mm-hmm. And they, they've given up 13 touchdowns, even though they picked off six passes. Second most so I, TDs. Yeah, so I think that there is opportunity there. And honestly, I think that you know if the Aztecs' young receivers, like it was Jesse Matthews who really stepped up big time last week, if one of their guys can have a big game, whether that's Matthews, Kobe Smith, Ethan Leno, whomever, I think that if I'm San Diego State, I wouldn't mind challenging them down the field. You know why they should? If it's a shootout, if it clearly favors Hawaii. And so why not do it? Say you got to a 17-10 to 10 lead, 17-7 to 7 lead. You have some cushion just in case the passing game kind of falters a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because we saw Hawaii, San Jose State, no punch by Spartans. They lose the game. They lose the game without punching and score every time. Yeah. And so – what, you're right. Maybe you go out and do it. If it works well, you're fine. It's not your defense is good enough to keep you in the game. It's not like your defense gives up a ton of yards or passing where or rushing or passing combined, whatever it may be. They're good enough to stop Hawaii here and there. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to worry about being perfect on defense. Why, yeah, why not try to go for a big plays and offense, pass a bit more? I just don't think if it ends up being he has to do it the whole game, that's not going to favor San Diego State, even though the running game is subpar, relatively speaking, to what they've done the past couple of years. They're still mm-hmm. going to want to be somewhat balanced. But I still think they want to lean on the run more than the pass. And if Agnew has to 35 times, they're not going to win. 
I think that they ask him to throw 35 times, they still could win. They could, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it. I would lean heavily toward Hawaii and say they're going to win. I'm like, I'm not going to count them out, even though I just said that. But if it's here's the thing, if it's above 30 plus, 30 plus, something's going wrong for San Diego State. Whether it's a deep, Hawaii's just scoring at will, they need to keep up. If it's over 30 pass attempts, it's not going well for the Aztecs. So should we go to projections? Yeah, what do we got? I don't know who I'm picking yet. What do you go FEI and all that stuff? What is that saying? Okay, uh, FEI likes Hawaii by 4.1. SP Plus likes San Diego State Uh-oh. by 2.2, which is a 55% win probability. FE, I'll go to my thing. FPI, they give Hawaii a 60% chance to win. And they in both team rankings and number five are predict wide one by two. Let me ask you this real quick before we pick. Let's assume it's Boise State in the title game. Who gives uh, Boise the bigger run for their money? Oh, it's San Diego State easily. Because we've already seen Hawaii kind of crap the bed the, when they played. You so said you'd rather see San Diego State-Boise rematch? Or not rematch, but a uh, first time this year? I mean, I think that that would be the more fascinating game, yeah. Okay, all right. Do I, am I picking the first year? Yeah, let's do it. I shouldn't have said that. I should have just said, hey, Matt, pick the game. I Where's my coin? Do I have a coin here to flip? I'm serious. I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, I don't. You know what? Screw it. I want Hawaii in the title game. Okay. I'm going to pick Hawaii 28, San Diego State 24. I'm going to take the Aztecs. Okay. You know what? I like that score, though. You flip it. <laughs> so so give me that same score, 28-24 in favor of San Diego State. This is probably, of all the games to watch, this is probably going to be the most fun game to watch, I think. Make sure you get your energy drink, your coffee, whatever is going to keep you up late. East Coast uh, alumni hub for Aztec fans? Definitely do that. <laughs> Dang, six games, 90 minutes, Matt. What are we doing here? I don't know, but I think uh, we covered a lot of bases. We covered a lot. We covered predictions, the uh, tiebreaker scenario. Uh, if you want to hear the, me and Ross talk about power rankings, go back and do that. Or the Excuse me, the playoff rankings, how that impacts, which is literally nothing because Boise State stonewalled by the American for the time being. Also, really quick, did you see Mike Oresco's comments? I did not. Really quick because we're going to wrap it up because we're going super, super long here. So he's all, you know, he's all P6, blah, blah, blah. He's He had a point – like he had a point because Clemson's number three, which they've done literally nothing to earn number three in my opinion. They're just Clemson and Trevor Trevor Lawrence, and they're beating up on schedule that's not great. Like North Carolina is terrible, Georgia Tech. But here's what he said here, really quick, that really um, made me think. Like, dude, you are the biggest like DB in the world. Yeah, oh, crap. Where's my screenshot? Here it is. Here's a quote from him: "A two-loss champion from our league." They should be a lock for the New Year's Six game. Come on. If the CFP standard is to identify and rank the best teams, and it is, there's no question in my mind that our champions, whoever it turns out to be, will be the best team in the group of five and better than many P5 teams that are ranked ahead of them. Don't lose 49 to zip by Cincinnati, Ohio State. I'm not going to argue that teams may be ranked, should be, could be ranked a bit higher, especially when you look at Clemson's play nobody. But you're telling me a two-loss Memphis team or Cincy's better than a one-loss any other team like Boise State? Or I'm just I'm just gonna point out real quick that <laughs> speaking of Clemson, that they are outscoring opponents forty-six to ten they on are. average. I get it. No, no, they're good. But I'm just like his argument for who he played. 
that's kind of why they're dinged a little bit. Like you could make a case they should be not as high, but they're still really good. Get a ske- get a strength of schedule above the national average, and then we'll talk. <laughs> also, it, really quick, the playoff rankings and playoff because this goes to near six for the G five guys. It's not the most deserving team. It's the best team. So, well, I guess that may backfire and go to his direction a little bit if he thinks Memphis is better. But play a little bit better schedule, like you said, top fifty would be fine. But every year, guaranteed. No, that with two loss, like you're kidding yourself. Your league is better. You got some ranked teams. They're they have some pretty good quality teams. We can agree on that. But your champion, just because if they you got to win, you know what I mean. It's like with Clemson's schedule, if they lose, they're done. It doesn't matter if they're winning teams forty six to ten. So it's like, come on, dude. That's it for our show today. We'll we'll end on that nice note because we like to bash on the American, right, Matt? That's what we do here. Yes, we do. <laughs> so mwr.com, find everything: Twitter, Facebook. uh, Anywhere a podcast is found, if you'd like to leave a review, that'd be awesome. We have basically any podcast feed you can imagine, even ones not invented yet, because they'll be there when they are invented, essentially. So we'll be back for a recap on Sunday. Until then, we'll see you. See you later, folks.